Welcome to the Sunday Monday Show, a podcast about being bold in faith, work, and life. I'm your host, Jane Kennedy. Let's get down to business. Hi, Jacqueline. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Hi, Jane. I love that intro music. We, uh, For folks at home, we just played the legit intro music in the room so that Jacqueline felt inspired and ready to go. <laughs> that was my warm-up music. I'm really grateful. Thank you. Do you feel loose? Do you feel ready? I do. I'm ready. I was a little nervous, but I'm ready now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is the second time I have recorded in person, and I have to say it's really fun. Like, it's just fun to have you in my house and getting to actually, like, be here with you. So hopefully I get to do this in person a lot more um, with people who are around DC because it's so fun. I agree. I'm excited for much more in-person stuff to come. I know. So soon, so soon. Well, Jacqueline, I am just thrilled to have you here because this whole podcast is about people living their faith, um, especially women being bold in their faith and bold in their work and bold in their life. And you are one of the boldest people I know in your faith and in your life and in your work. You're in law school, uh, which is, I can only imagine, just a crazy, crazy battlefield for life and faith and virtue, Um, not to mention just kind of a a grueling experience, but you inspire me so much with the ways that you live your faith, the ways that you speak up sometimes in a class where you're the only one <laughs> coming from a specific viewpoint. And um, yeah, I think our I think our listeners are just really going to learn so much from you and your example today. So let's get started. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Thank you. Of course, of course. Okay, first question is, uh, can you tell us about your first job? Yeah, sure. And one more time, thank you for having me. Jane is bold herself, um, so I'm just happy to be here. Um, but yes, my my first real job, I would say, um, was towards the beginning of college, um, and I worked for um, Kind Snacks, like the snack bar company. Um, wow. And yeah, it was a good gig. It was really flexible, um, free snacks. Free, free bars. Yeah, yeah, handing them out and stuff like that. So um, yeah, it was a good gig. That's nice. Okay. And so you go from working for, for Kind, and then at what point did you have this kind of itching to become a lawyer? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I'm sure it came from many places. I have two siblings that are, um, well, a brother and a brother-in-law um, who are lawyers. Um, and then just being Catholic, you know, always being interested in um, social justice and social teaching. Um, but I don't know, somewhere along the way, I felt, yeah, kind of, it sounds cliche, but kind of called towards being a lawyer. Um, like towards like maybe the end of my sophomore year of college and then during my junior year I kind of had this like panic of like wait really though am I gonna do this and so I had to do some more soul-searching um, but by the time like my senior year started I um, was was pretty um, set on becoming a lawyer so of course that meant LSAT work and all that stuff so it my work had just begun by the time I decided but um, yeah so that's kind of how I got here <laughs> I love it. I um, I remember talking to some friends who we were we were trying to figure out why it was that so many Supreme Court justices mm-hmm. were Catholic, Christian, Jewish. Was I talking to you about this? I don't think so, but I'm okay. aware. Mm-hmm. And you think about it, and I think a lot of it is like the love of the law and the love of um, of of just tradition and the love of you know adhering to a higher power. Mm-hmm. I think that probably. You know, having that as a lawyer, I'm sure, just makes you a better lawyer because totally agree. There's a respect that you have innately for mm-hmm. for the work that you're doing and protecting. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I mean, I think you said it perfectly. So, mm-hmm. so cool. So, how did you end up at GW? You're at GW for law school, one of the best law schools in the world. So, how did you end up there? <laughs> Thank you. Um, I 
Um, I started applying, like I mentioned, during my senior year. Um, and <laughs> I, I, I really enjoyed the application process. But of course, as you know, applying for things, Jane just went through like an application process. We should probably talk about that later. But um, yeah, just like started getting like acceptances and things like that and trying to weigh like where I wanted to be. And um, DC had kind of always been on my mind. Um, and so when I got the acceptance from GW, um, I kind of felt this like little like, oh, like this feels right. Um, and of course I, you know, I sat on it a little bit and thought, um, and <laughs> I was actually, I actually sent off my application to GW like right before spring break and like I had to do it in like a parking lot at a Dairy Queen. So I was like, I hopefully this even goes through on the internet. Um, so it was just a funny even like experience to send off my application, but, um, yeah, by the time I got in, I was excited. And the bigger question, which I've mentioned to you, was like, was I gonna go straight away or was I gonna defer a year? And that was like even another question to, to figure out. And so um, I decided to defer. And it was so funny because I was walking in to my graduation ceremony at UT and um, I actually got an email from the Dean of the law school. Um, and they sent me back an email saying like, hey, we got your like deferral request, like I'm accepting it. What a great thing. Like I know that you're doing this big biking trip and he's like, go do that and then come here. We'll be here when you get ready. And so um, just like walked into graduation full of joy, full of excitement for like what the next like couple of years were gonna hold. So um, super grateful to be here at GWM. That's awesome. Well, before we jump into your experience at GW, sure. I want to pause and yes. zoom in on this really cool <laughs> bike trip. So maybe maybe talk a little bit about what the biking trip was um, before we talk about deferring, because I know that that was like a big discernment for you. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so the biking thing, um, I found out about it um, my freshman year at UT. And so we, Texas 4000 is what it's called. And um, it's been around UT, I think, for like 15 years now. Um, and the idea is to um, raise money for cancer research. And we bike from Austin, Texas to Anchorage, Alaska over the course of a summer, so about 70 days, it's as crazy as it sounds. Um, and yeah, I became really interested, at, interested in it while I was on campus. And then um, I ended up applying, I think it was towards the end of my sophomore year or beginning of my junior year. Because essentially you have to train for a couple of years. You raise money, um, you volunteer and again like actually do like physical bike training um, and so yeah I a lot of us are drawn to the organization because we've you know we've lost loved ones or we've known people who have lost loved ones and um, it's a really really great group of people that get called together um, different strengths different backgrounds and so um, by the time the summer comes you're just hoping that you're ready and um, yeah I mean I've I think that's probably one of the most rewarding things I've done so far in life was the Texas 4000 summer. So um, it was a very grounding experience. I truly cannot believe that. You were spending every Saturday, right? Training for mm -hmm. over a year. Every This is your senior year of college. Every mm -hmm. Saturday, biking all day. Yes. Um, to go, is it 4,000 miles? Is that why mm -hmm. the 4,000? Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, I cannot believe that must be, that's just, I can't get over how cool that is. And I think a great reason to defer, but do you want to talk maybe a little bit about what that process was for you and, and making, I think it's like, I don't want to speak for everyone, but you go to, you go, you grow up, you go to high school, then you go to college and all of a sudden you don't really know like, okay, well, right. what's next? And I'm not on this trajectory anymore. And you obviously knew you wanted to go to law school, but right. I think it can be really scary to make, I think maybe one of the first real adult decisions, which is, okay, 
what is this next step? What does that look like for me? And I know that your your experience is, is really interesting. And yeah, can you share about kind of how that went down? I think you are so right to say like one of the biggest like first adult decisions I had to make because um, I I didn't think that I would ever like take a gap year or defer any time. But when, the, when it came around that time, I kind of felt like, wow, like I've done a lot in college. I had this very strenuous summer coming up. Like you can't go into law school even a little bit tired. Um, and the hardest thing was that my dad was actually not a fan of me taking a year off. He was very against it. He was worried that I would um, go on to other things besides law school when I had already like decided to do that. And um, it took a lot of courage for me to say, Dad, like I, I disagree with you. Like I'm gonna do this thing. And it was so uncomfortable for me. Like I did. I love like hearing my parents' opinions and like usually like they have, of course, always the best intentions for me. Um, but I made that decision for myself and um, like it was definitely the right decision and even now my dad was like hey that was actually a really good choice you made and so in the moment it didn't I was unsure but now um, it was the right choice for sure looking back and what did you do during your deferral year <laughs> yes I should mention that um, so one I actually gave um, tours at the Dallas Arboretum it's like a yeah a garden area um, and then two, I, I did some work, um, well, I didn't do as much work as I thought I would, but with a, um, like a refugee clinic and, um, given the current political climate at that moment, um, there wasn't as much work to be done in the end, um, given the administration that was, um, in office, but, uh, still yet I had a really great experience and if nothing else, I got to spend time with my family before I made my move and, um, yeah, I had a lot of quality time with people that I had been missing. So um, yeah, a lot of a lot of things came out of that year. So I um, mean, even growing in my faith and things like that. So that's so beautiful, right? I mean, you look back on it. I know you told me that you don't regret it. It's one of the proudest decisions you've made. And yes, I guess now, you, now I can say that. Now you can say it. <laughs> it's hard to do that, and you think like, oh, am I going to regret this? But didn't you like? Wouldn't you have like gotten off your bike and had to start school like a day later or something? Two days later, yep, a hundred percent. It would have been no. like August tenth and then August twelfth. And so, no way. Yeah. And yeah. you broke your arm. I did. biking. <laughs> I did break my arm. Show said that too as well. Uh, it was a great experience. Um, around day like forty five ish, um, out of seventy, um, I flipped off my bike actually. And um, I had never fallen off my bike before. It's nor it's very normal to fall off your bike a few times like during the training process, but um, I'm like overly cautious as a driver, let alone a cyclist. Um, but during the bike ride, yeah, I, I had an accident and it was like in nowhere Canada. Um, and it ended up being something really, um, oh, what's the word? Like um, meaningful in the sense that when I when I flipped off my bike, I um, I thought I broke my ribs. I wasn't even focused on my arm, but like I had the wind knocked out of me so badly that I, I thought like everything was broken around my chest, not my arm. Um, and I actually landed in a ditch and I was the last person in the biking line at that moment. So my, my teammates in front of me didn't hear it. Uh, and I landed in the ditch and I just had this like huge moment of fear like I'm in this ditch my arm my, maybe my body's broken and um and I, I also felt so alone in that moment and it was the most bizarre thing like I heard this voice uh, like you cannot make this up but I heard this voice and he said the most perfect thing he was like hey 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 like you're not alone and it happened to be this like passerby or on this nowhere um highway in Canada and he was like I was like a ways back and I saw you flip and your, I saw your teammates didn't see you so I wanted to pull over 
And then his wife got out and she happened to be a nurse and she started taking my vitals and they got me out of the ditch and put me back on the road. And um, it was um, a very low moment. Um, but I, looking back, I, um, I learned a lot from um, having to like go through that and um, really rely on my teammates for, for help to do things. And I ended up getting back on the bike probably about like a week later and finishing the ride. Um, which, you know, I had to make the decision whether I wanted to like not ride or ride and I ended up riding and um, for me as, I know we've talked about this, Jane and I are both Enneagram threes if you're familiar, um, but I, I, I put this emphasis on like doing something all the way and full out and like really wanting to achieve and I felt guilty when I got back from the ride because I was like, did I fail? Like. You know, I took like a week or so off, like like that was not what I signed up to do. And people had donated to my like biking campaign, so I was like, I like I'm riding for like their loved ones, and I felt like a failure. Mm -hmm. um, but then when I got back, I actually saw a few people who had donated to my campaign, and um, one of my biggest donors, um, I was riding for her her son who had passed away, and now her husband actually recently. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just saw her, and I was like, I just want you to know, like I'm like I'm sorry, like that was you know. Um, not my intention to flip off my bike and um she yeah she just gave me a lot of healing that moment because she was like like don't you get it like it meant that much more to me that like you kept going like that's the real experience of someone with cancer is you know getting sidelined going through really hard things and i'm um, going through physical pain and she was like you know of course i would never wish that on you but just the fact that you kept going like that meant even more right. to me so um lots of things that usually you have to get through things to look back and understand yeah. um what that meant in your life. So, um, yeah. That's crazy. I still think that's one of the coolest things. And what a beautiful story as well to get back on the bike. And mm -hmm. I think also, you know, as Enneagram threes, right? We're like, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do this in my own strength and in my own power. Exactly. And you had been training for two years and had never fallen off your bike. And right. so, right. It's just kind of one of those moments of like, God didn't push you off your bike, but there was, there's a time of sometimes being able to see like, okay, that was a great opportunity for me to have to really rely on my teammates mm -hmm. or rely on a stranger on the road in Canada who, exactly. by the way, if they hadn't seen you, you would have been in the ditch. Like I can't stop thinking about how you would have been <laughs> Like stuck in that ditch I know. for who knows how long until someone turned around and came to get you. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's it's such such a beautiful story. I'm so proud of you for doing that. It's the coolest thing ever. Thank you. Thank Good you. job. Thank you. So you finish this bike race, you go and you enjoy your year of just uh, resetting and being a tour guide and being with family. And then you move here for law school. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell us what that transition <laughs> was like for you? <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I've been joking with my mom. I'm already self-titling this chapter of my life, like my Texas exodus, because <laughs> um, I don't know. I kind of feel like I've wandered into my own kind of like wilderness here because um, I, yeah, I've, I've never been this far away from home to like live for so long. And, um, you know, being from being from the South, like there, there's kind of a different, um, I don't know, pace of life and like personality. And so um, I, I had a hard time adjusting. I mean, I mean, law school is like tough professionally to begin with. It's its own little crucible. But I think personally, I've had to really um, work harder to um, relate to people. And um, yeah, I, don't, I did not do a good job um, coming to DC and really saying like, God, like I need you to come with me. Like I mm -hmm. came like in a rush and was like, you know, like unpacking and like, oh, law school starting. And like, it was all great, but I, I did kind of, I did struggle my first year. And so um, I'm doing much better now that I've been like, oh, actually God, like, can you come with me in this journey? And so um, I know that you've been doing the Bible in your podcast, yeah. mm -hmm. Mike Schmitz. 
And like the Israelites in Exodus when they're like, God, like, why did you bring me here like, yeah. to make me miserable? And like listening to that, I was like, oh my gosh, like that was me. And I'm just, I just want to crawl in a hole when I hear myself in the Israelites in that, in that regard. Um, but uh, I'm, 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 I've learned a lot already and um, I'm having a better time now. So, so good. Yeah. I, I, I love the idea of like bringing God with you. I remember moving from San Francisco to DC I had taken, it was so hard to make friends in San Francisco. Like I really struggled. I was really lonely and I finally was making friends and I finally had great friends and then I was moving. <laughs> and I remember I, similar to you, like there was just kind of this excitement of this is the place I'm supposed to go. This is where I want to be. This job is the right thing. We're going to make the move. And I just turned to God and said, Lord, I need you to make friends for me because I can't do it. Like I can't do that again. Mm -hmm. I can't, I cannot be in that place again of just feeling so like struggling so hard to make friends and I moved here and I can say like he blessed me so abundantly with just I, I also think that there is a great community of people in DC which helps mm -hmm. um and it's a much like I think broader pool mm -hmm. but yeah it just it makes such a difference when we invite God into those things and say like all right Lord like I really need your help here <laughs> because I don't want to be in that situation again um, and that's how I met you too. I know. <laughs> that's how we met. So yeah, God like totally, totally will provide um, with those things. So I am not in law school. Uh, I work for a bunch of lawyers, but I am not in law school. Um, can you share like a little bit about what it's like living your faith as a student in law school? Like, obviously, I think you know we've all seen Legally Blonde. We know that law school is hard. We know that it's you know it's very demanding. Um, but, but it is also like a deep study of ethics, right? And like it's, a, it's often a deep study of right and wrong and understanding right and wrong. And you as a Catholic have, a, have, a, have a, you know, a belief of what is right and wrong. And so can you share a little bit about your experience as a student in law school um, through the lens of your faith? Sure, Jane. And I'm definitely still learning um, how to do that. And I've learned a lot from you already from um, your work in DC, you know, previously like White House stuff and, and things now. Um, but I... Um, yeah, I think what is unique about law school, like you're saying, is that a lot of like maybe taboo things in a normal professional setting, like talking about certain like contentious issues are the forefront, right, of, of the law school experience. And so it's kind of a weird mix sometimes of like professional and personal. Um, and I think for me, um, I think, yeah, like being a witness to your own faith um, and that kind of environment means like knowing what you believe. First of all, you need to know like like where you stand, you know, um, but also recognizing like, okay, when is this like something personal where I can advocate versus like separation of church and state. And this is actually something that's like a law and has nothing to do with my personal views, so to speak. Um, and I think also just the way that you overall see like the law, I think like I, I'm often in class, um, like I'm not a real lawyer, right? Like I'm not in class, like actually like in a courtroom. And so sometimes I recognize in moments, like it's better to like win this person's friendship than to win an argument with somebody. And I see sometimes in class, like two people going back and forth and it actually kind of breaks, like, like contentiously, I mean, and it kind of breaks down the classroom, like, environment, and, like, it's not fruitful anymore because they're just, like, doing this, like, ego dance mm -hmm. when we could all be involved and, like, much more, like, civil. And so if I ever get in a situation where I feel like this person's kind of, like, jockeying with, like, a um, like an agenda to, like, push this point, like, I, I want them to, know, like, I hear you and, like, this is my view and, like, we can really just, like, walk away as friends still. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question. Mm -hmm. Totally. Um, totally. Okay. I, it's the, 
I think it's kind of the same thing of witnessing your faith in the workplace, right? Like, you're not going to get much done by standing on top of a table and telling everyone to repent and be saved. Mm -hmm. You're getting a lot more done by building real friendship with people and living your faith in your personal way. And I know that you stand out in your classes because... And again, law school might be really different, but I but I think like our, our generation, it's hard to really know who we are and yeah. to feel very grounded yeah. in, in what we believe and why we believe it. Yeah. And I can only imagine how terrifying it would be to be in law school without some level of grounding. I'm mm-hmm. like, this is who I am and what I believe because you're constantly being challenged. You're constantly being forced to see stuff through different perspectives. And so if you have nowhere to like plant your feet, um, then I can only imagine that that would be terrifying. And that's probably what a lot of, I don't want to, you know, this is all conjecture, but I I think it would be scary to be a student in a law school without some level of kind of that grounding Mm -hmm. um, when those contentious moments happen. Lots of humility. Again, always wanting to like remain friends and be a good person rather than like, this is my argument and I'm going to like shove it at you. And Mm -hmm. I do think you're right that um, um, being a Christian and being a Catholic can make you stand out a lot of times and like how joyful you are and like professors enjoy someone who's like energetic and wants mm-hmm. to learn and I remember um I think the first moment I realized that was um after our first semester you get your grades back which is like a really big deal in 1L mm-hmm. because you're like oh my gosh like I'm setting up my ranking and like you know just so much anxiety around it for many people and um a lot of people when they got their grades back they had different reactions and like I was one of the few people that was just like y'all we did it like we've made it i'm so grateful like i had so much joy and everyone like everyone was kind of like oh yeah like like mixed mixed reactions right and um i noticed it because a girl um texted me later we hadn't talked that much and she was like i just want to ask you like how are you able to be so joyful and grateful in that moment and it was hard because I was trying to think, I was like, well, I didn't mention like, well, I'm, you know, first of all, like I'm Catholic. I'm like, I'm just so grateful to like, to be here, to be making like, you know, do like whatever my grades are right now. Like I'm learning and like, mm-hmm. I, I'm just so excited that it's like, it's over with and like, we know where we're at. And, um, to walk in that line of letting her know, like, yes, I am like a, a Catholic person, but also like, here's also maybe more like a secular view too. Mm-hmm. Like just trying to like walk that line. Um, moments like that I, I picked up like, oh, like, okay, this is playing into like who I am actually as like as a person and, and a, a Catholic person. So mm. That's mm-hmm. amazing. And you've had professors call you out on it too, haven't you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, there was even one class, like even <laughs> during uh, Ash Wednesday uh, last year, like I was in a room of like hundreds of people in a lecture and I was like the only person like with my little like um, yeah. like Ash cross on and things like that. So sometimes it is more like forward, like maybe you'll mention, like you've mentioned on the podcast before, like someone asks you, what'd you do this weekend? And you're like, oh, I went to mass. And this person's kind of like, oh, like noted. Um, but things can be much more subtle where like you're in an argument and you mention something like, oh, like actually this theologian said this and they happen to be a Catholic, you mm-hmm. know, theologian or like, you know, lawyer or whatever, St. Thomas More or like, yeah. you know, things like that. So um, I think I think a lot of professors appreciate those kind of like enriching views coming into play. Mm-hmm. And it is such an enriching view. It's a different view. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think like you appreciate the diverse views that you receive in class. 100%. And that I think contributes to the environment of your classroom is having, is having people who strongly believe different things. Mm-hmm enriches everyone Mm -hmm. um which Mm -hmm. is so cool so what kind of law do you want to practice what are you interested in which (laughs) tell me your future oh my goodness well we need a crystal ball for that (laughs) i'm just kidding um i think i came into law school um kind of focused on immigration law um but i've been sort of going through like a broadening phase of like i like civil rights and human rights more broadly 
Um, but I will say kind of out of the blue, I had a white collar crime class this semester and I like really, really, really enjoyed it. And so um, now I'm kind of considering like um, something like that. That may mean even DOJ, I know we talked about this before. And so again, Jane has connections everywhere. It's kind of scary. Um, <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I, I'm considering something maybe in DC, like, um, yeah, like government wise. So for sure, gov something government, whether it's like um, state or federal, but um, I think figuring out where and, and what exactly that is, is still um, up in the air. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's so exciting. I can't wait to see you just do such great things with with your mind and with your heart. Like you truly do have a desire to use this education and this experience for good and, and to better. I mean, you worked in refugee law. Like that's, you know, that's a hard, a really hard place to be. And, and I just am so inspired by, by that, which is so good. And I know we've also talked about you know, school's really hard. And there, you you referenced this a moment ago, but there's this whole idea of rankings in law school mm -hmm. and, you know, your 1L grades are so hard, or like important, and then your internships. And I mean, it's kind of a, a rat race of like yeah. trying to get ahead and, um, and can be really exhausting. But you have a practice that I think <laughs> is so cool. Can you tell us about um, how you Sabbath? Yes, um, big believer, big believer that this will transform your work week. I think that's so relevant um, to your podcast because, or Sunday, Monday overall, because um, it's about bringing who you are on Sunday, like you told me, into your to your work week. And um, yeah, I just think it's vital um, having a great Sabbath Sunday practice. Um, I wasn't always this way. Maybe we should back up a little bit. Um, I definitely was like really burnt out at the beginning of college. Um, I remember the exact day I figured out that I needed to start um, being better about like keeping holy the Sabbath, if I can share a quick mm -hmm. story. Yeah. Um, it was like towards the end of my sophomore year of college and um, normal day of like school for me, like running from meeting to meeting, class to class. This may sound like some of you right now in your life, um, but was just kind of all over the place every day. Like, you know, three cups of coffee, jittery, probably didn't sleep enough, probably didn't eat enough. I'm sure you've had seasons like this, Jane. Mm -hmm. um, and I um, rushed over to this lecture, this night lecture um, at the University Catholic Center at UT. <laughs> and it was a doctor and he was giving a presentation. He used to like do abortions and was going to talk about like how he came to see a different view on it and things like that. And um, I had been at this lecture, Jane, for all of like um, five minutes and I was sitting there and suddenly things were kind of getting hazy. And the next thing I know, I wake up. I'm staring at the ceiling. There's a priest leaning over me. There's a doctor <laughs> leaning over me. And I could feel this hot fluid running down my face. And what I had done was I had fainted. I had hit a bookshelf. I had disrupted this man's entire presentation. Um, and, and again, like, I, like I, I knew I was hungry. I knew I was tired. Like, I knew I was jittery. I knew I'd been running around all day. Like, and that was my normal day for me. And um, a really lovely woman, um, fellow student, drove me home. And I had this moment, like, like driving home or, like, riding with her, I mean. And, um, like, thinking, like, is this success? Like, is this... Mm. Is, is this what like my future is going to look like? Because I, I, I want to be this, you know, quote, quote, productive and have this much, you know, like to do list checked off every day. But um, I really had to pause and think like I'm I'm like really go running on fumes here, you know. And so that was probably the, the, the first moment where I realized like I'm not resting um, and there's a commandment for that. It's not a suggestion. <laughs> Um, and so fast forward now, like it's, it's a huge, huge part of my, my life of really leaning into, um, to Sundays. Um, and that means like it being recreational and really refreshing and not just a day of like doing nothing. Right. It's more so a day of, um, 
renewing your your covenant with the Lord, so to speak, and remembering like what He's done for you, and and bringing that into um, your week. I think again, Mike Schmidt has that phrase like praise goes first, and so mm-hmm. Sunday, you know, starts off your week. Now, I, I used to think of it as like a Sunday ending my week, mm-hmm. but now I think of it like truly as it is on the calendar of like it's first mm-hmm. praise goes first, and let me bring that person into um, the work week like you've like you phrased it. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't think of a better place to faint than in a room with a doctor and a priest. 100%. So if it was the end, you were probably like in good hands. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> I'm sorry that happened though. That's, that's pretty awful. Um, yeah, I love what you said. I love the praise goes first. Um, something I've struggled with, honestly, with Sabbathing is, we've, we've made it a verb, um, is, is what you kind of just said, where you said it's not about doing nothing. It's about doing things that are recreational and refreshing. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes when I've tried to keep the Sabbath, I'm like, okay, I'm doing nothing all day. Mm -hmm. And for a person who likes to be doing things, doing nothing is not refreshing for me. It Mm -hmm. makes me anxious, makes me stressed out. I hate just like sitting and watching TV. It drains me. So what are the things that you do that Mm -hmm. make you feel refreshed? Like on a, on a great Sabbath, like what, what does that look like for you? Sure. Sure. For me, for me personally, um, obviously that would include mass and for most Catholic or all Catholics. Um, but I think for me personally, I should say um, things like going for a bike ride or like watercoloring or I didn't know this at first. Like it did take me time to like start thinking about what do I like to do? Because mm-hmm. at first I was like, should I just watch Netflix for a few hours? Like what am I doing on my Sunday? And so over time, I've I figured out more about myself and things that I do find um, really like restoring. And so, um, yeah, you can catch me on a bike on Sundays or um, watercoloring or calling my mom, call your mother folks, call (laughs) your mother um, and other family members and friends and um, yeah, letting it be a day of, um, yeah, just just reading a book that I've been wanting to read or like something other spiritually related that I've been wanting to do. So yeah, it can look different Mm -hmm. for other people, obviously others, as I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Well, and I mean, what a call out too. I, I feel like this last year, has forced a lot of us to stop and think about what we actually like to do. Like I was very confronted with that when I didn't have anything to do. (laughs) I was (laughs) like, who am I and what do I like to do? And it's so easy for me to just plop down on the couch with my friends and watch something or with my roommate and watch something. But like, who, who am I as a person and what's important to me? And I remember through the beginning of quarantine realizing like oh it's talking with people and so mm-hmm. making phone calls like a weekly thing with my friends who live in other places or um reading coming back to reading i mm-hmm. i love to read and mm-hmm. i just wasn't making time for it or i would start a book and then not like it but instead of quitting it i would just be like i've got to you know finish this and so then i wouldn't read for weeks um but yeah, I mean, thinking about the things we love to do, I, I got a guitar, so I've been learning guitar. Yes, it's nice. so fun. And <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I, I love that because we're always moving and there's always mm-hmm. something to do. And I mean, I bet you could fill that Sunday up real quick with mm-hmm. more readings or writing. I mean, you have so much to do as a student. Um, but like, but you do you recognize like there is a like a, a physical and spiritual and emotional like reward that comes from it like do you see that play out in your week absolutely absolutely i think um it definitely like trickles into my week i think it's sort of a um yeah i think it's like it's a refinding of like my purpose and and who i am like every little like a little bit every (laughs) sunday and i think it reminds me that i i have um an image of Christ to bear that week and not an image to build of myself that week. Like that's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm going to be doing that weekend. Um, it's just, 
it's just such a gift, right? Like it's such a gift. Like it's all a gift as you've been saying yourself. It's just such a gift to, to get to stop and pause and it, it should look different, right? Like it's, um, I, I lived in a, a small town for a little while in Louisiana. I grew up in Texas, but I, I grew, I lived in Louisiana for a little while and I was in a small town. And if you've ever been in a small town, you and you drive through on a Sunday, like it looks different. Like things are closed, like mm-hmm. they stop. And so uh, as a Christian, that should be, that should be you too. Like you should, you should kind of put the brakes on and, and show the world like, no, like we, we really do honor this day. And so um, it should feel different. And I think you will feel different by being different throughout your week. Um, mm-hmm. So if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 It really is a setting apart and a setting aside of that time. And I mean, it's, we're recording this on Good Friday. <laughs> and so we see, right, like Easter it's a big thing. Mm-hmm. And so many people are doing really fun things on Sunday to get together, whether it's a picnic or going to mass or wh- whatever that is. And we don't just get, you know, to celebrate Jesus and our and the gift, the gifts he's given us on Easter. We get that mm-hmm. every single Sunday, every single Sunday. And Amen. what a crazy cool <laughs> thing that is. And do we receive it like that? Or are we trying to squeeze mass in? Um, I like know here in DC the latest mass on Sunday is like ten o'clock I think at Georgetown and I so, did not know that. Good oh to know. yes, there is a ten <laughs> o'clock mass at Georgetown and so there were times when I first moved here where it was that was a situation and I was like just yeah. doing stuff all day Sunday and having yeah. a great time and busy and would be you know walking over in the dark to that little chapel because <laughs> I I waited and it was the last thing on my list and yeah. Um, yeah. I think doing the Sabbath really makes it the first thing on your list. Mm-hmm. And everything else can flow from that, which is so good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So great. Well, you're such a light, and this has been so fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just, I really, I feel uh, rejuvenated and excited to, to really Sabbath this Easter and, you know, every Sunday after it. Um, but yeah, it's been so great to have you here. One last question. Uh, yes. What is working for you right now? Oof. Um, I think, I think. I think really leaning into um, what it means to trust, trust the process, trust time, and trust the Lord, and um, make time for Him to let that trust um, grow between each other. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think that's it. So, I love it. Trust is good. Trust is so good. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you. Come Jane. back anytime. I sure will. Um, we can have you and your super cute little cat, Amelia. I'm sure she would be such a good podcast guest. She would. She would steal the show. She's a ham. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this has been so good. Um, come back and thank you. I'll see you soon. Bye, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Sunday Monday show. If you liked it, if you enjoyed it, if you learned something, we would be so appreciative if you shared it with a friend, shoot it in a text, post it on social media, whatever you want to do. Sharing these episodes helps more people find them. And while you're doing that, if you could rate and review these episodes, that would also be so appreciated. If you're looking for more, you can follow us on Instagram at the Sunday Monday underscore or visit us online at www.thesundaymonday.co where we have tons of articles and free resources designed to help you be bold in your faith, work, and life. Until next time, thanks so much for being here. Get back to work. I love you all. Bye.